Que ondas, primos y primas, and welcome back to my Primos Podcast. My name is Freddie, your host, aquí solito, by myself. But no, I have a guest, everybody, don't worry. I won't bore you to death with just my stories. Primos, tonight I have Mr. Daniel D. Calvo returning to my Primos Podcast. Daniel, say what's up to all the primos. It was good, everybody. I'm very happy to be back. Very happy to be back on the show. Uh, very excited to talk to y'all today, talk shop talk about what I got going on, talk about what's going on in pop culture. So very excited. This is going to be an awesome show. Thank you for having me. Always and you're always welcome, man. Definitely glad to have you. Primos, remember, you guys can follow us on social media at My Primos Podcast. Of course, let us know what you think. Check us out, of course, week to week on any of your streaming services. We're there for you, Primos. We talk about pop culture, comic books, everything in between. Everything's allowed here between Primos, right? Daniel, again, thank you for coming out uh, back on the show. And Chikuma is supposed to join us here and there. Maybe we're still seeing. Kevin texted me saying he's covered in bourbon or he's into bourbon or he's on Bourbon Street. I don't know, but something with bourbon. But he's not joining us either. So it'll be me and you, man, just kind of like chatting it up. I know you got some stuff in the works. Uh, we, we're going to talk movies. We're going to talk whatever happens here. So I'm excited. Uh, for those that don't know you, you know, they are maybe a first-time listener, your name, like, who's this Daniel Calvo guy? Like, what can you say to somebody about Daniel Calvo and what you do? So, hello, everybody. To everybody that's listening, my name is Daniel Calvo, Daniel DiCalvo. I am a Cuban-American writer, editor, translator, you name it, I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, right now, you know, I started my career as a comic book editor three years ago, worked my way up. Now I'm on my third, uh, third comic book. I uh, worked as an editor in a bunch of books, uh, worked as a translator, worked as a, you know, as a writer a lot of the time, uh, mostly in the science fiction, fantasy, and horror genre. Uh, right now, I'm affiliated with Fangoria. Uh, there's a lot of things that I'm doing all the time. Uh, as of this moment, I'm now publishing my new series, my Aztec mythology superhero epic, Tenok God of Fire, uh, that is live on Kickstarter right now. So, yeah, that's just who I am, man. I'm just a very busy Cuban immigrant. <laughs> you have you have a motor, dude. You have an engine, right? Like, that motor has to keep running. Yeah. And I love that because you got that hustle that you, you want it, you're going to work for it, right? Yeah. It's easy to say, hey, I want to do this. It's another thing to actually put your feet on the ground and start moving, start doing it. And you've been doing that, man. I mean, props to you. I know you you have a lot of work under your belt, like you said. But let's talk about your book. Let's talk about some of the work, right? Let's talk about the newest thing going on right now is your Kickstarter. So right. we have the second volume, or would you say a volume of, because I say, I've been told, this is me, man. My Is it Tenoch or Tenoch? Like, what, what is the pronunciation of, of, of the hero here? So the correct pronunciation is Tenoch, which is the, the original Nahuatl pronunciation. I say Tenoch because it's easier for English-speaking uh, readers sure. to pronounce it. It's also easier for me to, to say it, and it just sounds kind of cooler. Uh, other than that, but yeah, it, honestly, you can pronounce it however you want as long as you buy the book. <laughs> there we go. You can call it out by name. Tenoch, 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 whatever yeah. you got to call it. Go out there and, and look for it. But let's talk about it. I, I read the first one. Really dig it. I know Walter dug, dug it as well. I love how rich it was. And I, I dig the story where it ended up. I don't want to give it too much away because I really want people to go look for it and get excited for the second volume that you currently have on Kickstarter. And we're going to put links. We'll post stuff here to make sure people are on top of it to, to follow and get you going. But uh, what's the elevator pitch on Tenoch for, for those that don't know what it is? So Tenoch Got a Fire is an Aztec mythology superhero epic. Basically, it follows the story of the Aztec god of war and fire who basically failed to protect his people from the Spanish invasion 500 years ago and who now lives sort of in permanent mourning in the modern world after him him and all the other gods have been forgotten in a way that he has lost a lot of his power uh he lives and you know a very depressed life uh because he he used to be 
the guy. He used to be revered. He was revered. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. yeah, he was the dude. Pure power, pure testosterone, just a, a god of war. And then yeah. he lost in the most brutal way possible. Uh, they were colonized, everything. So it follows the story of this god after the colonization in the modern in the modern world. And in the first issue, Tanak is approached by the goddess of death, who brings uh, gives him the opportunity to try and go in a journey to acquire a mystical item that is going to help them bring the Aztec Empire back. So basically, the old gods are going to come back and they're going to fight and change the status quo. And we will see how it ends up being. Yeah. Uh, but on the way, there's a ton of epic battles between monsters, gods, demigods, giants, uh, lots of mystical creatures. And all of them are drawn from Aztec, Mayan, Mesoamerican cultures and pre-Hispanic indigenous uh, mythologies and folklore and, and religion. I so think it's great that was going to be in it. Yeah. It pulls you in because we've all, and most people that are into our age group or the, a little younger, I'm older than you, but we're talking like I grew up with video games. You got God of war, right? The God of war. That's boom mass yeah. market. You know, what is that? Greek mythology. We talked about it. Why is Greek mythology revered? Now it's Norse mythology with Odin and Thor and all that. And even God of War in the video game world yeah. jumped ship to that. You know what I mean? So yeah. we're looking at Dinosh and his story. And I'm like, wow, I'm reminded of a lot of these elements, these the same feels. It's a different story altogether, guys. Trust me. Very, very different story. But I like the idea that we're getting the spotlight on the Mesoamerican uh, cultures as opposed to always being the Greek and the Romans, you know? And so right. I dig that you, I mean, I never asked you this question, but like, how in depth are you going with these? Like, as far as like the history, I mean, how, how, how much sleep have you lost digging through these like <laughs> stories and I, I, you know, like images, like, can you touch on that a little bit? Well, the thing is that studying Mesoamerican cultures is my hobby. So I'm a historian and religious studies uh, scholar by formation. So anything that's related to history and religion that's my field of study. That's my job. So that that's literally my day job. So everything about Mesoamerican culture, it is so rich. It is so interesting and beautiful. And I just needed to do something with it because for years I've just been reading about these things. Uh, it feels like so it. undiscovered, right? It feels still yeah. so like, and tell me, you, you're more apt than I am, but it feels so undiscovered, so untapped and so mysterious because of that, right? Yeah, and there's a lot. I mean, of course, a lot of it was lost due to colonization, but it lives on. It lived on through the descendants of the original indigenous Aztec people, and it's just fascinating to see how much is there. I mean, the Aztec mythology alone—we're not even talking about Mayan and Olmecs or anything like yeah. that, or Inca. All of those things that also have extremely complex uh, their own things, their own systems. But when you're looking at the Aztec uh, mythology in itself, it has like 11 heavens, 11 <laughs> hells, like hundreds yeah. of gods. And every single one of those gods is a god of war in a certain way or aspects because they were a warrior society. So it's just fascinating to go deep into it. With the comic, I try to go deep into it, but I try to do it without taking away from the entertaining aspect of it. So Thank something you, yeah. like, for example, Thor or God of War, they are adapting mythology, they are adapting history, but that does not become so much the focus of what we are seeing. Like, it doesn't become a lecture. Uh, it is an entertaining and action focus and high- That so happens to be veiled with that historical aspect. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I was going for. I'm trying to tell an action-packed, epic story uh, that people are going to have a great time reading that is influenced by these cultures and this mythology. So there's a lot of things uh, that I get to do. And one of my favorite uh, favorite parts of writing this actually is that I, uh, one of the things that we are doing and there we are actually offering in the Kickstarter is that I wrote a source book that details all the background uh, research on all the gods that show up in the comic, all the monsters, 
the mythology, the rites, you know, that I am writing right now a chapter on ritual sacrifice and how oh. that, what actually, what that actually looked like and what it was, because there's a lot of myths around it. Uh, like, you know, you watch the movie Apocalypto and you immediately think, oh my gosh, everybody was just sad. No, but hold on, let's, let's, let's stop there, Apocalypto, right? Me I'm very public about my hate for that movie. But here's the thing, my wife and me watched this movie and we're at times going like, damn. She's like, well, in a way, if nothing had changed, I would probably be on the pyramid getting sacrificed at a certain point. Like, like you know, we make the joke, but we're like, is that where the society, if you think about it, the movie, right, quote unquote, right. showed the society in that light, right? This very, like, right. I, what would you describe it as? I feel like the film just kind of showed the ugly side. And the survival. The movie, the movie you know? that movie. I have a lot of thoughts about that movie. I don't want to turn this into a hate session on a podcast. No, no. no I can we, we can. How much I hate that movie. We can be. We can be appropriately yeah. critical on something. How's right. that? I the movie in itself, and I think this is more Mel Gibson. Is that? It's just a one big colonization apologist film like it's colonization propaganda it's just going mm -hmm. like you guys deserve to be colonized like that's literally in the beginning yeah of the movie. there's a whole quote that oh when people don't know what yeah, they're if doing, you're a savage you're happy that the spanish right. came to save you, you right it, which is not how it happened at all and when you start actually studying these cultures they were way more advanced technologically than the Spanish and the Europeans in a lot of way. I mean, while the Europeans were dying en masse because of their lack of hygiene, the Aztecs had a full the sewer system. Yeah. They they, they have public uh bathrooms. They, they they were able to to they had great hygiene. They had super advanced medicine. That they, they, they some people like some Incas were doing brain surgeries, like super That's primitive crazy. brain surgeries in like years hundreds of years before europeans were even thinking about it there's a lot there's a lot that was going on that just if if you just if your entire exposure to these cultures is this movie apocalypto or even your initial exposure to these cultures is the movie apocalypto of course people are going to end up having a negative perception of it and they're going to become colonization apologists yeah and i think that when you watch a movie like that and that one stands out because it, it hit mass market, whatever right. was behind it, right? Mel Gibson, yeah. all that. But that is the image people go to. Like, we'll, and the only way, yeah. unfortunately, that we can have that conversation with the English speaking casual, the Anglo reader or watcher viewer, it goes like, oh, it's like Apocalypto. Right. Okay, that's the reference, but let's, 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 auto, let's, let's correct. Let's course correct now. Like, right. not, you know, let's, let's remember, it's not a movie. It's not, a, it's a movie, not a documentary. Exactly. You know, like, <laughs> and it's a movie that also they did do a good job the one thing that i love about the movie is that they picked indigenous actors and the whole movie was shot mm -hmm. in the original indigenous language indigenous people got paid that's true that and don't get me wrong jack or paul is dope like he was a hero you know like oh shit, oh yeah you know like that, that's that. also the thing like okay I, at least i got like an interest in thriller yeah. but at the same time it's a terrible historical if people are trying to watch it for the sake of historical research, it's a terrible movie to watch. Like, it's I agree. Just, it's not that movie, right? It's 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 shock. It's it's shock. It's shock value. It's, it's shock value. Not only that, it's a little boy. bit. It's like let's be real. It's boy. it's almost borderline or, pandering, or, but it's like it's you know we'll we'll move past it, right? We'll move right. past it. But why we even bring it up is like it's the interpretation. Like you said, you have liberties in what you're writing. You get to have a little bit of pride in what you're putting your hands on. It's not right. exploitative, right? Yeah, it's not exploitative. It's it's showing as much of what you feel is appropriate. And yeah. we always have that conversation, right? Of like, who is allowed to tell these stories, or who should write these stories? Right. Um, do you feel that you're giving it the right touch, or do you feel that it that somebody can walk in, take the idea, and run with it? Like, do you, how much? Does Tenoch die after Daniel Calvo lets go of it? Like, is it, you know, like this is, this needs the lifeblood that you put into it because of how much respect you have for it. I always thought that 
the art is superior and lives longer than the artist. Um, in a way, I think that there's no Tenok without me at the same, you know, there is an actual fact that this book would not exist if I had not conceived it, wrote it, uh, got the art team for it. At the same time, I mean, if, if I die tomorrow, the world would move on. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I mean, yeah. More, more creators and more people who will come in and pick up the baton and do amazing Mesoamerican content. Uh, we we have you know things like Maya and the Tree, which has got mainstream recognition. Oh, yeah, we mm -hmm. got uh, what was what was it the um, the name of this anime that came out recently? Oni Onyx Equinox. Uh, there was on Crunchyroll, also another Aztec and Mesoamerican inspired story. Um, could another writer come in and do uh Tenok? Yeah, sure. Uh, and maybe they would do a better job at it than I would. I'm not denying that, but I'm the one who's doing it now, and you don't really <laughs> get it without me. So, exactly, I, that's why we have I'm the, the continuation. I'm the, I'm the deal, you know, it's it, I'm in the Package deal. deal. If you're reading Tenok, you're getting Daniel DeCabo, and if you're getting Daniel DeCabo, you're getting Tenok. Perfect, man. No, I mean, definitely. So you got to check out the Kickstarter. Yeah. You know, we, we know that supporting supporting this type of content, this type of art is what makes more of it, right? If we see yeah. these succeed, more can come in, right? That's the thing we talked about with uh, Hector, the Peso Hero. We talked about that too. Like, we need to support our artists that are making the content that we want so that if Daniel succeeds, so-and-so can succeed. My son can succeed and make something right. in the same vein, right? And that's the goal here. Let's not ignore because it's not mainstream. It's not sitting on Marvel shelves or DC shelves that we can't get this taken care of, right? Be These stories I need to get told. So Primo's go out there. Check out his Kickstarter. We'll have the link here for you. Daniel, what is uh, your, your social so people can kind of check on that too before we forget? I don't want to forget that. Right, so you can follow me at Daniel DeCalvo Author on Instagram, Facebook. I'm at DeCalvo Author on, on Twitter. I'm all around. You can go in there, see me rave about comics, what I'm doing, horror movies, because I'm a big horror movie geek, as we're going to be talking about later. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on those. It's C-A-L-V-O. See, I have to really think about saying the V. Because we don't have that sound in, in Spanish, I don't think. Or at least no, we, we don't really. Doing. We don't. It's a learned English thing. So I always have issues with that. But anyway, move, moving back. No, no, for sure. Vo, author dot, uh, in any of the socials, you can find me. And you can follow my work. And you can support me. And you can hit that like button. And all the cool pictures that I'm posting. There you go. Definitely, guys. We're going to make sure we promote that as well. We always want to give... Uh, a spotlight to the creator and the artist, especially someone that's, uh, you know, uh, I would say, man, you've been with us from the beginning. You know, you're, you're still with us here and there. I know we'll work together again, hopefully. But let's let's jump right into we're in the time of year. Kevin's not here today, but he's a he's a horror geek fan, too. Yeah. A lot of like this is the thing. A lot of Latinos, Latinx uh, enjoy horror because yeah. it's not. It's not a, a light shine to it as a scary, evil, taboo thing. It's something that's more folklore and more like embedded in our stories, right? It's this is kind of what we grew up with. A lot of these beliefs are not necessarily made up. These are beliefs from people. Hey, I, I experienced this, so there's a connection there with horror. Let's say, and I think that that leads into why we're so excited about things like we talk about Fangoria. We talk about you know, horror films in general, the fact that we get to experience this time of year and really dig into them. So how did you get linked up with Fangoria? Like, how did that happen? Because for those that don't know, Fangoria is uh, is more like a a fan, horror fan, film, fan, you know, uh, magazine, fanzine, if you will, uh, big in the 80s, 90s, and then kind of just recently resurged, kind of blew up again. Uh, I grew up reading it. It only used to come out like three, four times a year, right? Um, tell us how you got hooked up with them. So I, 
am a huge fan of horror. And I recently got uh, got word that Fangoria was still around. I didn't know that Fangoria was still around. I knew of Fangoria, yeah. uh, but I wasn't sure that they were still doing things. And when I realized, oh, not only are they around, but they got a YouTube channel, they got a podcast, several podcasts, they got the magazine, they got a lot of merch, they got a lot of things. This is amazing. I am a super fan of Fangoria now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then, of course, I, I noticed very recently that they had an affiliate program. And I've done affiliate marketing before. I've done, uh, you know, some, some kind of sales. And yeah, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, we try. We try. Yeah. <laughs> so as, uh, as I was studying this and I was like, you know what? I am getting more into the space of horror. I am transitioning a little bit from the superhero genre to the horror genre. Um. Yeah, Tenok is probably the last superhero book I'm going to do in a in a long while, as I'm going to I'm focusing to horror more. But the the way that I that that I started was basically just hit them up. I'm like, hey, I heard you're looking for affiliates, and I got accepted into the program. They saw my socials, they saw the the work that I do, and they thought it was a good fit. And thank God, you know, I <laughs> be, became part of it. So you can get basically a 20% discount on anything in the Fangoria store. If you use uh, my code, Deca uh, Daniel DeCabo author at checkout, you get a 20% off on your yearly subscription. You're, you get a 20% off on basically everything. And the cool thing is a lot of the Fangoria magazines, if not all of them, tend to go up to $100 on eBay on resales. Like they're ex crazy expensive. Collect your stuff, man. Uh, because of the speculator market. So, if you get a, a subscription, you get to have a, a head start over everybody else. You get to have the magazine delivered to you. You get to have uh, subscriber exclusive uh, covers. Like recently, we had a cover that featured The Weeknd because The Weeknd put out a video recently that had a lot of uh, fantastic horror, gory makeup, uh, makeup work. And it, the, the magazine had an exclusive interview with him and it had an exclusive uh, cover with him. And that cover went on eBay for like an insane amount of money. Mm. Whereas people could have gotten the same book from the magazine directly for- At subscriber prices. Yeah, for, yeah, at standard price. So anybody that's listening, if you want to be ahead of the curve, go to Fangoria and use code Daniel DeCalvo author, or you can go to the bio in my, uh, to the links in my bio and my, uh, in my accounts and my socials, and you can get uh, your own Fangoria subscription, your own Fangoria magazines for 20% off in an already pretty, pretty affordable magazine subscription. And don't, don't, uh, this is the thing, man. Like people like to get from Ninjables, but no, man, you want these. These are these are hefty magazines. Yeah. They have tons of it's it's quality stuff, man. I mean, yeah. it's, it's tangible. It's good. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's worth it, especially if you're a fan of horror. To be able to flip through it is amazing. It's fun. It's also a conversation starter for the coffee table. Mm -hmm. Like it, it no bullshit, no lie. How many times I have a magazine laying around? Someone picks up and goes, "Oh, what's this?" Yeah, there you go. We have a conversation about it, you know, you so it's perfect for that. And not only that, but you get a lot of content that you don't really get with mainstream sites. Mainstream sites are now, you know, you go to Screen Rant or any of this and it's just content, 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 content with no regard a lot of the time for quality or relevance or anything like that. And they're doing a lot of clickbait uh, titles and stuff. Yeah. Fangoria doesn't do that. Fangoria is a magazine that is concerned with culture. Uh, that is concerned with doing a good job of uh, representation that's doing a good job of uh, basically talking about horror and everything that's going on. And they do it in a way that is very literary even. And you get a lot of uh, inside interviews, you know, with makeup artists, with geniuses of the horror genre, with directors, everything that I think the latest magazine had an interview with Jordan Peele about no. Oh, yeah. And you know, that's that's an interview that is more intimate and more in-depth than what you will get if you see the same interview in, let's say, you know, comic book or you, yeah. you're, you're not going to get the same quality. Two-minute little, yeah. you know, little highlight reel of questions exactly. or whatever, you know. Exactly. I agree with you. It's subs it's substance. It's substance. Uh, you, exactly. It's quality. You know, yeah. Substance, it's quality, it's catered, right? Mm -hmm. Because 
you look at the fan base that's subscribing to this, that wants this. It's not just the typical stuff, right? Right. It's it's something you can hold on to for a while, go back to even go, oh, shit, I remember there was this cool interview. Let me go back and reference it. Yeah. Or I saw this cool, dope, like, you know, picture, you know, this just stuff that you, you like. Right. And it really hit me when I saw, I don't know if you saw this or not on TV do you, or streaming. Nobody watches TV anymore. <laughs> but on streaming, uh, the show came back. Those says Spookies. You know about this show? Oh, yeah. You know what? People have told me to check out that show, and I still haven't. Is it good? It's a comedy. It's funny. Okay. It's kind of in the same vein of kind of like what we what they do in the shadows, what we do in the okay. shadows, kind of that vein. Yeah. Uh, Fred Armisen. But it's a 100% Spanish-speaking uh, main cast. Um, and it's basically horror fans, young people that just kind of love horror, and they, they run a business of, like, they can hire them to scare people. And make like really elaborate like uh, situations, but they very tongue in cheek. It's really funny, but it reminded me of like, hey, there's more to us than just the typical. Um, you know, we talked about uh, with three, four episodes ago the show This Fool, right? Yeah. And how there's always that stigma of the barrio cholo kind of yeah. like, but this was a rockero guy, a very trendy girl. Like these are not the typical like. Barrio right. images that people are used to in mainstream. Right. It's a more hipsterish, more more rocker, yeah. more, and they're into horror and the the gore and the fun side of it, and they're not afraid of it. Right. And they do things like play with like legends and and how how it's manipulated to scare people. It's fun, man. It's really self aware. But that came to mind how like we talked about earlier. I did, I should say. Like, let me ask it to you, like. How did you grow up with the, with with horror? Like as far as we were all told scary stories, right? Cuentos así que pasan en, en, oh tal persona le pasó esto and all this yeah. and that. Like where because I only heard a handful of stuff. Walter, which is I guess he's not joining us tonight. He grew up in El Salvador a lot more than I did, and so he got a lot of those firsthand tales of like, hey, over there in that shed, this happened. You know what I mean? And he's out there in the woods and shit with no lights. Um, how was your upbringing with horror? Like, did you just grow up around it? So the thing is that I didn't actually used to watch horror until like two or three years ago. I would watch mm. movies like Alien or, you know, The Thing and things like that, but I never thought of them as horror until very recently that it kind of clicked. It's like, oh, all these movies that I absolutely love all fall into this genre. I should check out the classics that are fully into the genre. But growing up, I didn't actually watch the movies. What I did, however, I was surrounded by the supernatural. Mm, so growing up okay. in Havana in Cuba, you're surrounded by all these cultures. You know, we have an Afro-influenced culture. So we have a lot of, like, the ideas of the spirits around us. And we have a lot of ideas of, uh, you know, oh, this person, you know, the Santeria and the, mm -hmm. the, the Babalao raised a dead man. Yeah. And oh man, you know, there's like this traffic. There's an actual thing. There's traffic of human bones in Havana sometimes uh, wow, for religious crazy. purposes because people buy bones or skulls and stuff, uh, real bones and skulls, because they want to have a, you know, a ritual or something for the religious purposes. So those are things that were just part of my daily reality. Even if you're a skeptic and yeah. you don't believe in anything, you're affected by it. And particularly in Cuba, like even if you're like the most cynical atheist, you still do not mess with the thing. Yeah, it's better safe than sorry. It. You do not go anywhere near it. You don't mess with it. You move on, uh, which is which is why you know it, it's something that I really enjoyed uh, from the movie Nope. I don't know if you guys have watched it or covered it, but uh, the, just the fact that people. Black people in the States and Latin people, we have a lot of very similar ideas. And it's the same thing that if I was to see an alien or something, I would go, no, <laughs> I would run away. Uh, no, you know, um, I haven't watched it yet. Kevin Kevin did. He has his thoughts. He told me we can't talk about it until I watch it. So I got to watch it, you know. You got to watch it. It's, it's, it's polarizing. So we got we to gotta figure out where I land on it. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I agree with you. Like you grow up with mysticism and supernatural, right? As yeah. a regular thing. And there's a lot of respect that goes towards that because like we talked mm -hmm. about with the beginning with, you know, the cultures we grew up in, be it the, the Mayan, Aztec cultures, our families, whatever they didn't 
strip us of, you know, right. we connected with, right? Spiritually. And those stories carried over, those traditions carry over, right? And so I, I can see how we still, we grew up with the supernatural. I think that was a great way to put it, right? Not horror, but the supernatural. And right. it becomes more of a comfort. I know it sounds weird. It's a comfort in, in knowing that Freddy Krueger is not real. Right. But it's it's campy and it's comforting because, like, oh, okay. But when someone tells you, like, you know, like Yorona, an example, it's kind of overplayed, right? But right. a lot of people have real experiences with, with that. You know, they're, oh, no, no, no. Right. Like, I don't I don't mess with that. And so it's, it's, if I'm not worried about Freddy Krueger, I'm more worried about La Llorona or El Charro Negro or whatever. Like, they're more right. worried about that, <laughs> you know, because that's set firsthand. My mom, my dad, someone told me this happened to them. And so that connection and there's something about that, that, that horror or that supernatural that I think we get pulled into because that's a connection to the past. No, that's a fascinating way of looking at it. I had never thought about it that way, but you're right. I mean, I think Latin people, we have that connection with the supernatural, with the, the ancestry, with the spirits, you know, like how, uh, you know, like the, the typical old wife's tale, don't let a rocking chair keep moving after you stand up because a dead, a dead spirit is going to sit on it, you know, and those are just like daily life things. Like, well, what is it? Don't wash your hands at someone's house because you leave bad luck or something like that. Right. I mean, things like, like that are like very cultural uh, archetypes and they just yeah. are passed down generation from generation. I mean, I don't leave. I don't even believe that it's actually going to happen, but I still don't leave the rocking chair. Keep moving. All right, Daniel, you're going to use this idea, okay? You got to write a story where someone doesn't wash their hands, and then the whole thing is because he's he doesn't want to rub off his bad luck on whoever <laughs> wherever he washes his hands, okay? That's going to be my next book. That's, That's gonna the be next one. Book. You can call it... We call it Mano Sucia or something, man. Make it happen. Mano Sucia, okay? <laughs> That'll be it. That's my okay, gift Mano to you. Just, just put my name in the credits, okay? There you go. Um, Inspired by Primo Freddy. There you go. Primo uh, Freddy no, joint. But no, man, you know what? It, it's fascinating. I also think that, and this is something that I think about a lot, but horror is not scary compared to the real world. Like, the real yeah, world true. is horror. The real world is scary. I'm not scared about yeah. Jason Voorhees. I'm scared about <laughs> The crazy person with a gun in a school, you know, yeah. I'm scared yeah. about uh, the violent person in an alley waiting to assault a woman. Um, I'm scared about those things. I'm scared about people using their power and influence to make the world a worse place instead of doing it to make the world a better place. Those are the things that scare me. Climate change that scares me. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's fucking Freddy happening. Kruger, I don't care about Freddy Krueger. Like Freddy Krueger. Like, if Freddy Krueger shows up, I'll be like, bro, just. You know, like I, I'll be fine. I, I can take Freddy Krueger. But you know, what I my son watched. We were watching because I, you know, I grew up with that stuff. But right, and at the time, I remember being a little kid, like, oh wow, Freddy Krueger, you know. And yeah. my son watched it, and he's like, oh, it's so fake. Oh, it's so <laughs> cheesy. But he enjoyed the fact that this was a film, right? And it felt like something he and his friends could probably shoot now, you know, on a phone. You know what I mean? Right. Um. And he was, it was cool when we showed him. I said, hey, you know, um, he told me, hey, dad, on Netflix, they have the movies that made us, right? Mm. Which is like little documentaries about yeah. these movies, right? And they show the scene in the first, uh, did you watch the first Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite franchises. I, I love Nightmare on Elm so, Street. Yeah. Do you remember the scene, spoiler alert, 40 yeah. years later, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, the scene where the guy and girl are in the bedroom, they've done their business, and then she, like, the fountain of blood shoots out of the bed, and yes. she gets dragged across the ceiling. That's such a well-done scene. So well done. We were watching it, and then he goes, Dad, look, they filmed it upside down. And that's how she was yeah. moved around, and the blood shot straight down. It was shot upside down, and it looks as right. though she's floating as opposed to falling. And I'm like, yeah, perspective, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so that part gets exciting because we can dissect it. Like you said, it's not scary. It's campy, right? Right. And that that's the thing. I think that that's something that's so fascinating about horror movies, that horror movie fans tend to be inspired by the practical aspect of it. And we get uh, inspired by the technicalities of it. So just that in, uh, inspiration of the camera work in other genres, usually that takes you out of the story with horror. 
it usually makes you deeper into it, at least for me. Mm. But no, if, like, if I, I look at a movie and I'm like, oh, how did they do that gory effect? Or how did they do that makeup for the monster and things like that? Like uh, the work of, uh, what's his, is it Tom Savini. Tom yeah. Savini, who is a genius makeup artist and, and, and special effects creator for so many awesome films. Seeing the work of that man in film is just fascinating. And as I'm watching the film, I get more inspired and more into it when I'm watching the the techniques are being used to make this film. Yeah, like not what is he? He's a uh, creep show, right? Creep show, not a little dead. The man was in everything. He's still going. Yeah. Oh wow. I think that like the fact that you said, I think because we enjoy that stuff. That's why, like, for example, like we do Halloween here. We dress up, man. We go all out. Like I have nieces and nephews. They do their own makeup with, you know, zombie eye falling out. Yeah. I remember I have a niece and I was so impressed. She made the, um, remember Beetlejuice, the scene yeah. of Beetlejuice where, uh, this is a girl with the curly hair, like makes that monster with the long snout, the teeth and her right. eyes are sitting on her tongue. She created that out of paper mache. That's amazing. And that was her costume. It's amazing. I'm like, wow. Like, Something we saw in a movie 40, 30, 40 right. years ago, 30 years ago is impossible. And those practical effects, they can make them now. I think that's the fascinating thing, that it can be done. It's not. It's impressive that you can see people work, and I hate to use the word, uh, very primitive movies, very primitive films at the time. That, right. like, well, like Alien, right? What was it? It was garbage bags, and um, the Queen yeah. was made out of garbage bags and, like, duct tape, if I remember. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things. Uh, e even with the Star Wars movie, I mean, go going going out of horror a little bit, but yeah, there's a lot of things that are just like practical stuff that they would find around and they just like stick it in the set and make it look futuristic or space like. And that's something that they do a lot in horror that they they're just able to do things like that. One of my favorite stories is that um, there's the the first script show movie. Uh, in the short about the guy who I don't know if you watched Creep Show. Yeah, could, yeah, but it's been a while. But I remember Creep Show for sure. Yeah. So the the scene where the guy basically is covered in flies and or or yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah, for sure. Specific insect, but he gets basically explodes, and those were all real insects that were being pumped through a pipe into this guy's suit. And wow. as the guy was, this was a real guy that was there and just receiving all these insects in his suit all the time. Just thinking about that, just learning those little tidbits of information about the movie and the lore about it. Oh, man, that's fascinating. It's, it's, it's something that you don't get with other film genres a lot of the time. That you, you don't get all the, because there's like a triple enjoyment. There's the enjoyment of watching the movie in itself. Uh, there's the enjoyment of watching the special effects and there's the enjoyment of seeing, well, how did this movie come about in the first place? Like all the behind the scenes yeah. stuff from a time before there were any green screens or anything like that, that everybody was just trying to figure out the rules of filmmaking and the rules of how to make special effects and monsters and genre. So it's just fascinating to see, honestly. And, and you get some of this stuff in Fangoria. Yeah. You get a lot of this in Fangoria behind the you scenes. Get a lot of this in Fangoria, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's why it's a fan of film, a fan of creative, right? We go away and we forget, man, because we get pulled into that whole genre. And I hate that I say it a lot, but at what point did creating an art become just making content, right? And right. and I think that's a conversation that can go a lot deeper, which we can trust me, can be another show for that. But that you forget that, like, with things like, you know, comic books, yeah, people take the time. Now people go, oh, well, I just, I'll watch a quick, you know, what have you, a quick little little, little doodle or whatever, and I'm done. Right. Cool. There's an art form to that. It's not just yeah. a one-panel thing that someone scribbled. No, it took a person years to get to that level where one panel was a whole complete complete work of art for them, right? Same thing with this, some of these films. We look at them and laugh now. We're like, oh, man. The first, the first Friday the Thirteenth was shit, but then you're like, really? Would you really say it was shit? Like, really? It's sit down, think movie. about it. Like, it's pretty <laughs> fucking good if you really just yeah. sit down and enjoy it for what it is in a time capsule. Yeah. And do you think that because how things have moved in the film industry, right? It's still pretty young 
I mean, industry, if you say, right, we're yeah. pumping out more and more films and they're happening more and more often. But do you think that these films are now just going to be at a certain point, given that I mean, they're getting there, but it's all kind of like subcultural. Like, do you think we're going to get to the point where these are revered as much as like, oh, man, the Godfather. OK. Oh, shit. Alien. You know what I mean? Are we getting there or are we still far from that? I think we've been there for a while. Uh, I think we got there with The Exorcist back in the day. Like that was already a cultural phenomenon. Then you have stuff like Rosemary's Baby that that was also a massive cultural phenomenon. Uh, True. Night of the Night of the Living Dead by Romero. All of these things that are they Godfather level? That's debatable as everything with art. But I almost wish that it doesn't become. Mainstream, And I don't think that horror by its very nature can become mainstream because the way the way that movies work now, the way that studios are trying to put out movies is that they're trying to get the three demographics, children, parents and grandparents. Right. But with horror movies, you can't really do that. At the very least, you take out the children and grandparents are not usually into it. So you only get a very small sector of the, the population that watches horror movies and enjoys them. And even less people watch tend to watch horror movies because well it is not for everyone you know it's while it is very bad right and most of the movies a lot of the movies are not really that gory or that bloody or that disturbing or it's the other uh, way right the overshot of human yeah. centipede i don't want to watch human centipede too right. you know what i mean watch human centipede exactly no. like, i'm not yeah. i'm not i'm not gonna put myself through that uh but there's a whole lot of other more artistic, more intelligent horror stories that when you look at them, it's like, oh, wow, this is fascinating. This is cinema. Like I'm watching an actual story. I'm watching actual cinematography. But I think we've, I think the thing is that, like you said earlier, right? We're talking about yeah. K. Peel. Nope. Get Out. So Get right. Out is a horror film. Yeah. And but this is showing the scary side of you know humanity racism all right. that you know it's not a monster per se there's not a a monster running around it's not a killer right. clown from space right and so that's where the genre is going or has gone right in the last few there's less and less what is it uh i mean i'm blanking because i can't think of a like creature features creature features there you go yeah black phone i saw recently I enjoyed the hell out of it. I haven't watched it yet. I won't spoil. Okay. I enjoyed the hell out of it, right? It's not a creature feature. Right. Right? And so we look at that in the depth. It's more of a suspense. Um, no longer am I'm 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 a geek. I'll go. I love I watched all the Silent Hill movies in theaters. Like I fucking love Silent Hill. Right. And my wife hated it. She said, <laughs> I'm traumatized. There's barbed wire in places there shouldn't be barbed wire. I'm right. done. You know, she's not having it. She says she doesn't want to put that in her head. Mm -hmm. I can still make that split and go, well, yeah, I don't want to watch something that's just, you know, lack of a better word, a snuff film. Right. And, I'm, and I want to watch horror because horror is, someone told me once, I watch horror films because I know it's going to work out in the end. Hmm. And most of the time they do. I enjoy a horror film that questionably ends happy like right. i love the movie um so i love Wes craven and yeah. i think he made this one if i'm not mistaken because it comes to mind did you ever watch they they what yeah they t-h-e-y they oh i don't think so no i will i'll give you a quick pitch for those that haven't watched it. it's a great film it's Wes craven <clears throat> and it's pretty much that kids you know, they have nightmares or night terrors, right? More right. often than not, hey, it's just a condition. You get over it, you outgrow it, right? Uh, we meet a character. They meet up with a childhood friend that's kind of going through a very rough time, panicking and warns this person and goes, hey, there's something happening. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming. Long story short, these night terrors were more of a, a marking that these beings would mark these children and wait for them to ripen to go find them and and take them. And that this is, is now years true. later. And so and that's the premise, but the point is that <clears throat> it's a questionable ending. It's not what your typical I love 
film and I love stories that I can't predict the ending to. And it's okay right. if I see the ending coming. Okay, cool. That's the bad guy. That's the good guy. I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm all for it, right? Like the like the superhero books you talk about. Right. But there's there's something about those stories that just come out of left field and go, whoa, I did not see that coming. Right. So that's one of those films. It's not a gore fest. It's Wes Craven. So it's very, I think, tasteful. And right. it is in that suspense horror that I think we we kind of are in tune with. So check that out if you haven't. Definitely. I definitely will check that out. I love Wes Craven. And just hearing the premise is just something that I need to, to watch. Because I love one of the, the best conceptions of a horror that I've ever heard came from a good friend of mine who said the easiest way to scare someone is to put them in the position of a child. So when you're telling a horror story, yeah, I know, right? It, it, it hits you. When, when you're telling a horror story, if you're seeing horror through the perspective of a child, that hits you. I mean, there's a reason why Stranger Things and It and all of these stories are so popular is because people get sent back to that place where they were so vulnerable and the world is so big and wonderful, but also very scary. Yeah. And see movies like Day or It or things like that, it's just, it hits you right in the spot. So I'm definitely <laughs> going to watch that because... I, I don't like movies where children get hurt. Sure. But I like seeing movies where the one hurting the children gets what's coming for them. Yeah, uh, and I think it's like we, we have to – there's a genre in between that. I think that's where the the thriller kind yeah. of sits, right, where it's, it's not an action movie. It's not a gore fest. It's not a scary creature feature. It right. kind of sits right in the middle where you're like – I'm very uncomfortable, yet I'm okay with where I'm at right now. Right. And that's, I guess, where you start stretching that um, that muscle of imagination a little bit. Like, well, do I... And you make that decision as an adult. And that's why I think it is important that if you're watching films with kids or you're comfortable showing kids some of these movies, right? Yeah. This, this, uh, this, these, these content, a lot of it's campy, a lot of it's fun. Just be mindful. Like, man, you were yeah. eight years old one time. You know, and that muscle needs to get slowly worked. You know, like you have to right. work out that muscle. You you know, if I right now did 50 push-ups, I'm sore tomorrow, like all day. Right. Like I'm not ready for it, you know? So you don't want to drop a kid into that, especially right. in situations where like, oh shit, like that could happen. I could get kidnapped and that could I could be murdered like that. That right. fucks with you as a kid. Yeah. You know? So I'm with you. I, I think we need to just enjoy the the horror. The right. fun stuff that we can look back at and go, damn, that was funny. That was great. Right. Because um, you were working your way through that this catalog of movies on your Instagram. And I was like, dude, yes. Like, definitely watch that stuff. Right. And you were also doing that with, like, a lot of action flicks. And, like, yeah, I, I think it's so cool when someone can revisit a lot of these, quote, unquote, classic films. Because I get hyped. Like, oh shit, he's gonna watch it for the first time. He's gonna get that oh no moment or that oh wow moment. Like, yeah. What have you watched recently, old or new? And when you're you know doing your I know you're working, so I know it's not a lot, but like <laughs> what have you watched recently that we may already have watched that you were like, Wow, I did not see that coming, where it really got me. Like, remember, I'm a fan of that twist. So yeah, give me something, man. What's something you were like, Oh shit, I didn't see this coming, or you know. So I'm re-watching, I'm watching Hellraiser. Because I got really, really excited about the new trailer, and I was yeah. like, I "Need to! I need to go back into it." So I had already watched movies one and two, and I'm rewatching them. And Hellraiser is such a fascinating little franchise. Like it, I say little as if it was like a small yeah. thing, but it's just so huge and so interesting how they explore everything, like the the. The, the conceptions around sexuality and body horror and uh, the you know sin and all of these things are all these themes are so prevalent with us as humans but not only as humans but in our western culture like all, all of that is present there's and a lot of lore tons yeah. of lore in that in those movies like yeah. the, the character with a pinhead right pinhead like that character alone there's so much lore with it and what it represents and like yeah that's so it's so deep, man. It's crazy. I haven't thought about Hellraiser in forever. 
Yeah, it's a long history and it's Clyde Barker. I mean, Clyde Barker is the original writer of those books and he is by far a genius. Like I consider him to be almost equal, if not completely equal to Stephen King. Only he, he's not at Stephen King level only because he doesn't write as many books as Stephen King does, but nobody does. Uh, yeah. But his horror stories, especially the Books of Blood uh, anthology books, are so fantastic and they are so well done and it translates very well to the screen and when you have something like hellraiser i mean candyman is inspired by uh um uh, uh clyde barker's story yeah. and it's just you know things like that candyman uh nope i watched nope recently i'm not gonna talk about it because i know that you sure. uh you're gonna watch it but you have to watch it and i say this to everybody that's <laughs> listening right now you need to watch nope if anything to say that you watched it so that your friends can get off your back there uh, you go but yeah let's see what other things have i have i watched because you're right i haven't had that much time with all the promotion yeah. and production and everything and life you know the, i don't have as much time so would you say uh, nope was yeah. more your most recent kind of outing with film right now as far as like shock or horror uh the what the movie nope the movie nope probably the the, the closest that i that i watched but I watch a lot of things like uh, I'm going through Penny Dreadful right now, which is a show oh, okay. I don't know if you ever watched it. But it's kind of uh, it's a bit of a Victorian vibe that there's a lot of the the mix of all the classical goth uh, gothic stories. So you have the Wolfman and you have vampires and ghosts and demons and things like that, but all in a Victorian England context and yeah. it's very 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 well done it's very interesting the the writing is very interesting it's on netflix i believe are you uh, excited about the uh, the show coming out here the um god i'm blanking on it uh wolf uh wolf at midnight by, by night yeah wolf by night is the only marvel project that i care about <laughs> honestly it's the one <laughs> thing that they've announced that i've actually cared about in years it is so interesting. I I love that they're going with the Hammer film aesthetic. Yes. And they're going to be a little goofy with it. They're not shying away from the goofiness, which I really respect. And I hope that they go all in with the horror aspect as well. I I would like a movie that embraces the goofiness and kind of like uh, disarms the audience with the goofiness and then just strikes all in with the, the horror it's funny because I, I can think of they will go for it, but it would be so cool to see. I, I think the movie that comes to mind, I don't know if you've got a chance to watch that, but you talk about goofiness and then boom, the horror comes out yeah. randomly. Yeah. Was um oh an American werewolf in London? Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, camp is such a useful resource to to scare. Right, <laughs> you, you you get disarmed by it. You know, it's it's a bit like uh, there's this comedy writer who did Fleabag, and she was talking oh, yeah. about the Fleabag show, and she was talking about oh, first you disarm the the audience with comedy, and you make them feel safe, and then you sweep the rug from under their feet by introducing drama. And in that way, I think that horror does that a lot. Horror basically goes all campy, and it's like oh, this is silly. It's like a little bit of silly play and there's silly characters and things like that and there's a lot of comedy in it uh particularly when you start going from this uh, the 80s and forward there's a lot of comedy that is introduced to horror which i think is perfect uh because there's a lot of overlap of horror and comedy yeah and once you start getting that element of uh the comedy kind of disarms the audience and everything and then they hit you with that horror and they hit you with that one kill oof that hits different and i think i hope that Marvel, Disney, whoever is making this, uh, takes that respect with the the visual inspiration that they're going to take from the Hammer films and all of yeah. that, and also from the old school comic books, because Marvel actually published some pretty high quality horror comics back in the day. Uh, they were just like basically messed up by the Comics Code Authority back in the, I think it was the 50s. <laughs> But yeah, they had an amazing line of horror comics, and one of them was Werewolf by Night, and it's the kind of thing that we just—I am very, very excited by. It. I'm also excited that the the character is going to be indigenous. Like that's one thing that I'm 
Yeah, Gael Garcia. What's his name? I think Gael, Gael Garcia. I forget his last name. He has like three names. These guys like there's always something. But All um, Latinos have like three, four names. I got four names. You know, like I I got my two uh, first names. I got my two last names. Yeah, Gael Garcia Bernal. There you go. Gael yeah. Garcia Bernal. And I don't know, man. Like Tales from the Crypt. You know, I would love to see that kind yeah. of brought back in some fashion. I don't know who owns the rights to that, if it's HBO or whoever, but I was a freaking fan of Tales from the Crypt. And I had a buddy that had Tales from the Crypt comic books. And like, we used to geek out about them. And that's, that's a shift that shows you. I remember in, um, there was a Tales from the Crypt comic book, right? Then we had a TV show in the 90s. Yeah. Then there was an, a Saturday morning cartoon version of right. Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Like that shows you that, like you said, that swing of like indie, horror, weird. Yeah. Okay. It's getting mainstream. Now we're, we're embracing it. And it's camp, you know, it's campy yeah. and, and kids can enjoy a quote unquote goosebump style, yeah. you know, horror. And that's just kind of bringing in another franchise for them to like. But I would love to see Tales from the Crypt brought back, revitalized somehow, make it creepy, make it fun. Like you said, I think it's time. Like it's it's yeah. if we're bringing back Werewolf by Night, we might as well bring back Tales from the Crypt and the Crypt Keeper. Absolutely, I think so too. And you know what? I love anthologies. I think that we're missing out on anthologies. I would love something like Love, Death, and Robots is keeping mm. the anthology format alive. And a lot of what they're doing is straight up horror. Like yep. a lot of the episodes, I think the one that David Lynch directed, um, I don't know if you watched the latest season, but there's an episode that's directed by, I think it's David Lynch. And it's just so good. It's fascinating. And it's a straight up horror story. It's basically, I think it's called The Passenger or something like that. Um, and I would love to see more anthologies coming out that just straight up tell you horror stories. And some of them are goofy. Some of them are more serious and things like that. Uh, there's actually an anthology that just premiered, I think, um, in Fantastic Fest. All of the Fangoria crew was going down there. Uh, that's called Satanic Hispanics. Oh, and really? An anthology that's all horror shorts in one movie, uh, all done by uh, Latin uh, directors and crews and everything. So I'm very excited for that to hit uh, movie theaters and hit streaming because I'm going to be streaming that immediately. Nice. Uh, that sounds awesome. I mean, yeah. I know that um, good friends of ours, uh, Hector. He's uh, he's a uh, he's with Chispa Scout Comics. They're releasing a horror anthology as well. I remember reading something about that. I think it's called like Catalina's uh, Caravan, where they want to focus on horror and supernatural. And I believe the majority of the writers are are all female or female on the, in, the, in the anthology. Oh, cool. So that's something to look forward to as well. I know they had, I see, I saw it on their website. I, mean, I kind of keep up looking at this upcoming stuff to support, but that's something that I'm all about, man. Like I love writing in that genre and I, I write myself and I've always liked to, to read or I guess consume for lack of a better word, uh, content like this, because it's something that like, as a kid, you said you were very vulnerable, very scary. But we yeah. have control over it because we're writing it. And at the same time, we know that, man, like, what would I enjoy? What would I read? That's what you make it for, right? right? You make it for yourself first. Right. You know, and and I love that as Latinos, we're 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 showing we're showing our teeth, but hey, we want this. Yeah. We're all about this, you know. And with anything, you know, we have a hand in all this stuff. So uh Daniel, I am so happy that you were on the show tonight, man. I hope you had fun. I know I kept you up a little, little later than promised, but that is fine, man. We had an amazing conversation. I truly enjoyed this. Uh, thank you for putting me on the show, man. I love coming here. I love being on the show. It's always a great time. Uh, Y'all listening right now, go to Kickstarter and support Ten. I got a fire issue two. You've never read anything like it. You've never seen anything like it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's an action-packed Aztec mythology superhero epic. If you like stuff like God of War, if you like Thor, if you like action, if you like brutality, and you like monsters and dragons and gods fighting each other, you need this book. You need to check out this book. So go on Kickstarter right now. Turn on God of Fire and check that out right now. Get yourself the first two issues. And hit me up and tell me what you thought about it. 
definitely guys go check out the book the art is amazing the story is great it pulls you in when you start reading it you don't want to stop i definitely 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 recommend it check out the kickstarter we're gonna have everything on our links as well make sure we support daniel daniel thanks man again just uh, want to wish you the best of luck with everything we'll be in touch for sure primos remember you guys can listen to us week to week for free all it costs you of course is a like a share let everybody know we're here the conversations we're having between us primos support the artists guys support these artists because the more we support mas que apoyamos the more will come let's not forget we got to support the art we want and the things we want to consume yeah have a good night guys adios